This is the Life in the Front Office podcast. I want to first thank all of our listeners to making this a success and helping us continue to grow. We bring on sports executives and professionals from around the industry, all different aspects of the industry, to provide insights and advice for those who are trying to enter the sports industry or those who are already in the industry just looking to learn something new and continue to get better. If you like our episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and visit our website at lifeinthefrontoffice.com for more episodes. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and today I've got Val Tamer, founder and president of Sports Business Solutions, uh, former vice president of ticket sales and service at Phoenix Suns. Uh, really excited to have Bob on today to, to talk about how he got into sports, uh, kind of what his career path looked like. Uh, he was with the Suns for eight years, and so we'll, we'll dive into his experience there. And then, you know, what is Sports Business Solutions, and uh, what are they doing today, and where are they going in the future? So, Bob, welcome to the podcast. Uh, no problem, Jake. Thanks so much for uh, for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So, so Bob, let's let's back up a little bit. Where did you go to school? How did you get started? Uh, you know, what brought you to Phoenix? And give us kind of a background and, and rundown on, on your career thus far. Sure, I'll give you the uh, the abbreviated version, Jake. So, um, you know, kind of my, my path, which I think will probably frame the conversation, and then I'm happy to take additional questions, and we can sort of riff from there. But um, grew up in, in California, uh, grew up in Orange County, right in between L.A. and San Diego. Um, went to high school, community college there for a couple years. When I finished high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And a lot of my friends were staying local. So that's what I decided to do. And, and after doing that for a couple years, transferred to the University of Arizona, uh, U of A. I'm a proud Wildcat, bear down. Had to, had to throw that in there too. Um, so when I, I transferred to, to Arizona, um, I went through the business program there. This is before they had a sport management uh, major or minor, any sort of curriculum. I I wish they had it back then. I would have been all over it. But um, but I got there in 2004 um, and kind of got right into the business school and then ended up graduating in, in 2006. So I was only there for a couple years. But when I got there as a junior, I met with an advisor and she asked me uh, what I like to do. And I said, I liked business uh, and I like sports. And so she turned me on to a club on campus at U of A called Sports Marketing Association. It's a collection of students that want to work in uh, in the business of sports, um, and in really in all disciplines, all, some marketing, some player operations, and but basically a bunch of students that wanted to work in the sports industry. Uh, and she's like, they're having free pizza. It's their first meeting. You should go check it out. And I'm like, well, you know, it's free food, starving college student. Um, and <laughs> why not? And I thought, yeah, I know. Right. I thought it'd be a good networking opportunity and just a chance to see what it's all about. And, and really at that moment, it was the first time I realized there were were jobs and career opportunities um, on the business side of a sports team. I always wanted to be a, a pro athlete, and that dream for me ended in, in high school. And so I thought, you know, working on the business side might be the next best thing. And so I really dedicated, uh, Jake, the, the next two years to, to trying to get experience, network, uh, build relationships, do whatever I could in college to put myself in a position to get a job working in sports post-graduation. And so that led to you know, cold calling teams, networking, going to the baseball winter meetings a couple times, uh, applying for everything I, I could see online um, and just trying to, you know, build build my network a little bit. And I worked internships 
um, for the Charlotte Bobcats. I worked spring training for the Arizona Diamondbacks down in Tucson. I got involved with the athletic department at U of A and, you know, all the, all the while I was sort of making these connections. And, and so, you know, all of that sort of led to, to making a connection with the Phoenix Suns. We actually heard someone from the Suns come and speak uh, to a group of students uh, there on campus and Phoenix about an hour and a half away from Tucson uh, where I went to college. And, and so when uh, the gentleman came down and spoke to us, he was a director of, of group sales at the time, um, a guy named Scott Warden. And I met Scott and we stayed in, in contact. And ironically, when I worked my internship in Charlotte, I was working in the group sales department in Charlotte. And so I was doing some research, calling the other group sales directors in the NBA and sort of uh, fortuitously, I guess, reconnected with Scott. And then I came back for my senior year. We had built this relationship. And then, you know, I was about to graduate and he asked me what I was going to do. And I didn't have a job uh, at that point. And he said, you know, you should try sales. Uh, we have this inside sales training program. Uh, you should give it a shot. And I had never thought about sales as a career, um, but I didn't have anything lined up. Um, the Suns on the court were, were doing really well. They're not as good now, but back then um, were really good with Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion. And, mm-hmm. and so they had this great, great team. Um, they were well, well known, well respected for the business. Um, they were looked at as really a leader in the industry. And so I was like, well, hey, maybe I should you know, explore this. Um, and, you know, I waited tables through college on the side and, you know, I, as a former athlete, I was competitive, I was hardworking, I was results oriented. And so I think naturally I had the characteristics to be, uh, a good salesperson. I just had never considered that. Um, and so I went through the interview process with the sons, um, and, you know, I was very transparent. I probably said all the things you shouldn't say in an interview. Um, <laughs> Like I want to be the GM or I want to, you know, maybe be in marketing. I just didn't really have an understanding of, of how it all worked fully. Um, but one thing that I did say that I think stuck out to them and, and it was true then as it is true now, I told them, I said, look, I don't, I don't know what I want to do uh, for my whole career. Um, I don't know what the future looks like, but I really want to learn how to sell and I'm going to work really hard. I want to learn this skill. I'll give you everything I have and, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, and I'm going to try to be the best I can at it. And that's what I told them in my interview. And I feel very lucky, but they took a chance on me and offered me a position. So I graduated U of A in 2006 with my degree, um, got started at the Suns two weeks later in their inside sales program. Uh, it's a seasonal sales role selling full menu, selling season tickets and, you know, group tickets and partial plans and, and some luxury suites and premium servicing some accounts. I mean, you're really doing it all. And we did it all, not just for the Suns, but for the Phoenix Mercury, the women's team, uh, and for the, a team called the Phoenix Roadrunners, who ironically are now in Tucson in the AHL hockey team. But back then, they were the ECHL uh, hockey team based in Phoenix. And so we sold for all three properties. And really, the idea of the program was to teach you how to sell, and then you know the best performers get promoted to the next level, and you kind of go on from there. And so my mentality going in was to give it everything I had and sort of see how it went. And, you know, I, I worked really hard and, you know, definitely had some speed bumps along the way, but kind of found my way and started to have success and really enjoyed what I was doing and said, you know, this is the career I want to I want to pursue. And and it kind of went from there. And when I took the job at the Suns, <clears throat> excuse me, I said I'd give it one year and see how it went. And then I, and I ended up spending, as you said, eight years there. Uh, so it's pretty crazy the way my career went, um, especially when you consider in our industry, a lot of people moved mm-hmm. to different teams and different leagues. Um, and I was very lucky that I got to do it all with one team. But my progression at the Suns was pretty linear. I went from a 
seasonal inside sales position to uh, an account executive, to a senior account executive, kind of a senior seller, to a manager, uh, to a director, to a senior director, and eventually became their uh, their VP of ticket sales and service, uh, overseeing uh, all parts of the ticketing business, season tickets, groups, service and retention, helping sell premium. Um, we had a pretty big team there. I had you know roughly 50 people under me. Um, three directors, a couple managers, and, you know, we had a good little, good little team. And, um, you know, it's, I had an unbelievable experience at the Suns. I had an amazing ride. You know, I, I started as a 22 year old kid. I I say kid, I'm not that old, but, you know, with no idea what I wanted to do. And then I end up as a 30 year old, you know, VP in the NBA and to do it all with, uh, with one team uh, was, was really special to do it all in one place was really cool being a West coast guy, you know, being in the West part of the country mm-hmm. um, was neat. And, you know, I felt very lucky. I worked for some great people. Um, you know, they saw something in me early on and gave me the opportunities to, to grow and develop and take on more responsibility and more leadership. And, uh, and I owe a lot of my professional success uh, to the people that I worked there and my experience at the Suns. I, you know, again, can't say enough good things about my time there. And so I always, tell that story and people always are curious to know like okay well you know if you loved it so much um you know why would you ever leave right and you might be thinking that i might be stealing your thunder here with the next question (laughs) but um you know i think and this will bring us up to the now uh with sports business solutions but i got to the point at the suns where you know i i think sometimes people are energized or re-energized by going to a different team or city or or league or you know there's some change and i think for me i i had some change in the roles but organizationally city wise, like I got up and went to work at the same place day in, day out for, for eight years, you know? And I think part at some level, I think I kind of wanted something new and different. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think there was some of that, I think, you know, uh, managing um, three properties simultaneously is, is a lot, you know? So I think um, there really wasn't an off season. So the games and the weekends and the nights and, um, and then after the NBA season ends, you go right to the the WNBA season and then right to hockey. And then, then you're prepping for the next sun season. And it just was this continual, uh, you know, grind, which is not too different than other teams. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think having done that for so long, um, I think that started to get to me a little bit. You know, I think when you're, you know, in your early to mid twenties, um, it's a little easier when you get into your late twenties, into your thirties, you start thinking about family and kids. I, I, you know, I think that's part of it. Um, you know, and then, then the, the biggest piece was as my role grew at the Suns, it was really neat to be, um, you know, getting closer to the top and to the ownership group and representing ticketing at, at the top level. Um, but there's elements of the job that are more administrative at that level. Like you're in a lot of meetings, you're doing a lot of long-term planning, you're doing a lot of managing organizationally up, down and across, um, you know, which is great. And I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed that learning that skill and doing it at a higher level. But the more of that I did, the more removed I got from the people side of the business. You know, I, I missed the, the day-to-day, you know, training, coaching, development of the team and of the staff. And I was doing a little bit of that with my leadership team. But, you know, the higher I got, it's almost like the further removed I got from, from the pieces that I really enjoyed and loved the most about the job. And so I kind of looked into my crystal ball and I, you know, I felt like in my 20s, I wanted to prove myself professionally and show what I can do. But then, you know, as I looked into my thirties, I started to realize, I was like, I don't know if this is the path uh, that I'm meant to be on. Um, And, you know, I, as I got into my thirties, I wanted to be a little bit more in control of what I did when I did it and the the projects I took on and that sort of thing. 
And so I was at this sort of interesting crossroads professionally where I was, you know, at that time too, I was single, not married, no kids. Um, I was comfortable financially. I felt like I was at a point in time where I could take a risk and try something new and different. And so all these things were happening. I started thinking about the idea of what else I would do. And I loved coaching and, and mentoring and teaching. And I had a great network and great relationships and great expertise. And, you know, I kept landing at the idea of starting my own consulting business. Uh, which is what I ultimately decided to do. And, and the, the tipping point for me was the more I thought about the business, sports business, what would become sports business solutions, the more removed I got um, from the Suns mentally. You know, I started to be more excited about the future of building a business um, and less excited about what I was doing at the Suns. And, and I, I didn't feel like it was fair to them um, or to me to, to continue to sort of go through those motions when sort of my heart was set on doing something different. And so finally got to a point where I, you know, looped in my boss and they were super supportive and gave me the freedom to, to think it out and spent a lot of time thinking and ultimately decided to, to make the move and left the Suns on good terms in, in the summer of 2014. So eight years after I started and launched Sports Business Solutions right after, uh, which is the company we have now. Uh, we're, a, we're a hybrid business. We do sales training. We do consulting. We do um, a little bit of recruiting. Uh, we have career services set up to help job seekers um, get jobs in the industry and be successful. Uh, so we got our hands in a lot of different things. Um, but, you know, at, at its core, our mission is to help people succeed in sports business. Um, our bread and butter is the consulting business, um, the, the training business that we have. Total, we have about 135 teams and organizations that we support in some capacity, um, about 90 on the sales training side. Um, so training is, you know, for those that aren't as familiar, we travel to a team, spend a couple days in their market, teaching their salespeople how to make sales um, at a sort of a basic level. Consulting is more strategy. So, you know, working with the leadership team on their campaigns and building out the business, we can also do some of that remotely. Um, and then the recruiting businesses, you know, if teams are ever looking to make a hire or staff up their business, you know, we can help them source candidates and make hires as well. Um, so we're a professional service provider to sports teams and organizations um and we launched it in 2014 um and we've been doing it ever since and it's really grown it grew from just me um and a couple teams on the side to you know a, a lot of teams and and after five years we've grown every year and we've grown the group too so it's used to be me by myself and now it's me plus five so I got a couple people in New York. We have one in Florida. Uh, I have another guy with me in Phoenix. have uh, a girl in California. And everyone's out there um, kind of consulting, building relationships, and taking their knowledge and expertise from the industry. And our goal is to bring it to the masses and try to help other people um, be successful. And, and so that's a little bit of the sports business solutions business. And the one thing I would just add quickly, Jake, because I know I'm already going a little bit long, is um, – we have a new platform that we've just built called the clubhouse and it's basically like an educational content platform that we've built for the industry where people can, can go there and they can find mentors. They can read our blog. They can get career services. They can um, listen to webinars that we host. And, and my vision is to create a centralized uh, spot for the location to go and, you know, share ideas and, and connect with others and get the things they need to, to grow, grow their careers in, in sports business. And so, that's a long story, but that's my background, how I got to the business, um, my experience in my previous life at the Suns, and a little bit about what we're doing now. No, that's, that's fantastic, Bob. And I mean, obviously, uh, you know, as, as we've gotten to 
well past about 60 episodes now. You know, we're trying to, again, kind of follow the same mission of helping people in the sports business industry uh, find their path, find their way. Um, you know, if they're already in the industry, how do they move up, you know, similar to someone like yourself who, who climbed up the ladder? You know, I will say to your point earlier uh, of being with one organization, um, good, bad, and different. Everyone kind of goes through their own path, right? I think we, we, all, we all realize that and know that. Um, but certainly at the beginning of someone's career, you know, to your point, you would, you would intern in a couple of different places and then finally we're able to land at the Suns and then kind of move up. Uh, I would say that's probably a little bit more untraditional uh, in, in today's day and age in that, you know, people go from an NFL inside sales to an NBA inside sales to an MLB team and they kind of bounce all around. Um, talk a little bit about your experience in being able to move up in one department versus maybe some other colleagues that you had worked with that maybe bounced around from ticket sales to sponsorships to um, other departments that they got their, you know, their hands in terms of marketing, et cetera, and, and how those experiences may have differed. Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. I think um, it depends. A lot of it depends on the individual. A lot of it depends on the organization. I mean, I think if you're out of place, a good example of this is at the professional level. Um, I don't mean this to come off the wrong way, but I guess in the professional, like big five leagues, you know, the MLB, NBA, NFL, um, NHL, MLS, like w the bigger teams like that, it's more specialized. And so, you know, you don't wear as many hats. Um, mm -hmm. So like the ticketing people are really just doing ticketing and even their focuses, they might be group sales or premium sales. And that's kind of their singular focus. Versus one of the benefits, I think, of being in like um, a minor league team or some college properties is, you know, you could do it all. You do some marketing, you do some digital and social media, you do some selling, you do some sponsorship. Um, and so I actually think it's a real perk of working in in minor league sports. And so I, I think if you're at a place where you're getting a lot of experience, um, it always comes back to like doing more of the, it sounds simple, but doing more of the things that you, you like to do, you know, and I think, you know, in, in the path that I took, I was, my role was changing. And so the role itself was a little bit different. And I think it's natural to want to take on other projects or doing new things just to keep the job new and fresh. Cause if you don't, you're going to get a little bit, a little bit stale. Um, but for me, like I just sort of put my head down in the first couple of years and said like, look, I've never done this before and these people have, and this is new. So I'm just going to do what they tell me to do and work my tail off and sort of see how it goes. And then I, then when my role changed, it was like a new challenge. And I was like, Oh, I've got something new. Let me like figure this piece out. And then once I got there, then they gave me something new and it just, my role kept kind of expanding, which is important because people ask me like, why did I stay as long as I did? And the sons did such a good job with me and with all of their people of it's like, Hey, if you put your head down and you work hard and you hit your numbers and you, you accomplish your goals, we'll give you more to work on, you know, which mm -hmm. I was doing my part and then they were doing their part. Um, so it was kind of us working together to develop my career. And, you know, I think some people uh, are in a different situation where like their team, they don't have those opportunities or there isn't movement above them. And so they kind of, you know, they maybe get stuck in the role that they're in. And then they're like, well, I'm bored here. I need to do something else. And then end up leaving to go to a different team or a different vertical. Right. Um, so I don't know if this is answering your question for me. I just, I didn't really think too much about it. I just focused on what was right in front of me and just making sure that I was hitting my goals. And I, I thought if I ever get promoted, you know, it's going to be because I'm a top performer. I mean, if I'm missing my targets and not being a good employee here, then I'm not going to 
probably get promoted. And so I just really simplified it for myself. But for other people that have maybe hopped around, they're kind of in this exploratory mode where they're like, hey, I want to try ticketing. I want to try some marketing. I want to try some sponsorship. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with some of that, especially at the internship level. And then once you know what you want to do, it's a matter of just like get, getting into that role, proving what you can do and kind of growing up internally from there. But every team, every league, every market, every boss, every situation is totally different. So, Absolutely. you know, there's, there's a lot, a lot of ways to get to the top. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I guess let's, let's go back to that sales piece because it's super interesting. You, you, you mentioned how, the further up you got, the further away you got from the people part. And, you know, are there people in the sales side that quite frankly don't want to manage and all they want to do is sell? And then are there people who, you know, they do the sales part to get the experience, but really truly they want to manage and um, talk a little bit about how, you know, you had 50 people under you. What does that, that ticket sales, that sales department look like? And, what are maybe some common traits amongst the people who succeed in those specific roles? The people that succeed in the, in the ticketing roles. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think the people that, um, people that succeed in ticketing, uh, in, in my opinion, I think it's a pretty simple formula, at least, at least on the outbound sales side is that, you know, I, it's a contact sport. It's a numbers game. And I think a lot of people, if you've had other sales people and leaders on, I'm sure they've told you a similar thing, but it's true. The more conversations you have, the more people you can connect to, the more people you meet with, and the more that you pitch, you typically, the more you sell. And so I think that's part of it. And the people that do it the best are the ones that are able to sustain that output and that work ethic and that drive over an extended period of time. I think it's one, one thing to do it for a year or a campaign or when you're new but it's another to do it year three, year five, year six, and just kind of continue to sort of push yourself to be uh, outgoing like that. Because if you're not, and you're just sort of waiting for people to come to you, it's, it's, you're, you're putting a lot of trust in your team to drive that interest. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I think, you know, the people that start to think like, well, Hey, I'll just wait for the good leads to come in. They start to take their foot off the gas on the new business side, I think start to struggle a little bit. So, so I think, you know, the, outbound outgoingness and sort of that external drive you just have to have it um, and all the best ones do Um, this idea of of positivity you know i think we deal with rejection a lot and a lot of people saying no um you know people hanging up on you i I think the best ones are the ones that are able to just sort of let that stuff roll off their back and and just kind of keep moving um so staying positive working really hard being coachable always inspecting your process and trying to get better each day and putting more focus on the process itself than the result. And what I mean by that is like a lot of sellers think like, well, Hey, I I need to hit my goal. And so they put so much pressure on like the number. It's like, I got to sell five grand today or 10 grand today. And if they don't get it, they leave feeling like they didn't accomplish it. And there's this, there's this sort of rejection there. But the idea is like, how do you, let's think about how you get to that number. So like how many calls do you have to make? How many appointments do you have to set? How many pitches do you have to get out and just track the activities and leave feeling like, Hey, if you didn't make a sale today, but you set a couple meetings and you made all your call numbers and you know, it did all the things you wanted to do. That's still a win. And so, you know, focusing on the process and you know, then the results will follow. And I think it's a simple formula. So if you're working really hard, you're staying positive, you're trying to perfect your craft, um, and then you're consistent you know, over an extended period of time, I think that's what separates the good from, from the great sellers. Um, 
but but to your earlier question yeah there's some people you know that are that are in sales that just want to sell and be left alone there's some that want to be managers and leaders um, there's some that want to sell sponsorship um, and I think a lot of us start in the same spot so it's important as you grow to sort of get some exposure and experience to all of those things you can figure out what you want to do and then you can kind of double down um, and I talked to a lot of salespeople that want to sell premium, for example, and they want to sell suites and courtside seats and really high dollar inventory, but they're not really making any calls to businesses, you know? So it's like they want to be promoted to a premium role, but they're not doing the things that they need to, to, to sort of get there. And so, you know, I think it's, it's important to be mindful of, you know, where do you want to go? Where are you now? What's the gap and what do you need to do between now and then to put yourself, you know, in a position to get to where you want to be, um, I don't know. That's sort of the way that I've always, I've always thought about it. No, absolutely. And, and just to add to that, right? Like timing's everything. So it's, it's putting yourself in that position to succeed when the opportunity presents itself. And then, you know, ultimately figuring out uh, whether that's the right move for you or not and, and whatever decision you make, then making it the right decision. Um, so as you made your decision to kind of uh, go that more, let's just call it the entrepreneurial route, right? Starting your own thing from scratch, um, what were in, let's just call it the first year, what were some of the things that maybe surprised you about the process? Maybe some things that you enjoyed more than you thought you would or, or vice versa. What was it like being an entrepreneurial uh, guy, you know, after being in the business and being, and becoming a leader in that sense uh, with, with a large team and then just going to yourself being, being your own boss? Yeah. Um, super scary. Very different. Um, you go from a situation where you're really comfortable financially and then the next day you're making like zero dollars. And it's one thing to think that. And I think a lot of us have had the idea of starting a business and it's another when that Friday comes and your paycheck doesn't show up. You know, it's just like mm -hmm. a, it's a very humbling, very real thing very quickly. And so, you know, to me, I I knew it would take time. My mentality was to just sort of get out there and talk to people and then figure out you know, where my value was, um, and where I could help. And then that would, I would sort of pivot and figure out the need I can fill. And then once I was having success doing that, then the idea would be to double down and, and grow from there. Cause I didn't know how it was going to go, you know, and I, I thought I had good relationships and I, I know I had good friendships out there, but I'm like, <clears throat> you know, are these people going to pay me to work with them? You know, like it's right. one thing to be a friend, but it's another to like invest money in having me come out and, and work with their teams. And so, you know, I think uh, the thing for me is the first couple of years um, specifically, like I didn't make a lot of money, but I was having so much fun doing it. It was just like a new challenge. I was reinvigorated. It was hard. It was competitive. It was like, I loved the idea of, of knowing that if I don't, yeah, I can sleep until noon if I wanted to, but if I don't go out there and make it happen, like I don't, I don't get paid. And I kind of really liked the idea of, you know, creating value, pitching myself and my services and then getting paid for it with, and then being able to keep that revenue versus sharing it with your employer was just a really, I don't know. It's a very sprawl entrepreneur that can relate to this. I'm sure they can all tell you the first sale they made, but you know, I, I would do a, you know, a $20,000 deal at the sun's, and I'd be like, oh, I do the math and I know what I get on commission. Um, but then I would do a $2,000 deal with my company and I would be twice as excited. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's just the idea. It's all yours. Um, yeah. And, and so to, to me, the, the transition was difficult. Um, it took me a little while to find my way. I've pivoted a few times and still, and still am pivoting. 
um, to, to try to figure out, you know, how to, how to scale. Um, in the beginning, it was trying to prove, prove myself and prove the model, which I feel like we did. Uh, and then, you know, years two to four was about growth and scale. Um, and I feel like we've done a good job of that, but I feel like we're not where I want us to be yet. I think there's still a lot of opportunity out there, but I love being an entrepreneur. I love trying new things. I love taking risks. I love building something from scratch. Um, and I love the, um, you know, the, the challenge that comes with it. So I'm having a lot of fun. No, it's awesome. And, and obviously you guys are growing a lot. You know, the, the clubhouse idea uh, coming out in this last year has been really neat to see that grow. Um, what is, you know, your ultimate goal? If you said, Hey, this is where I want to be in 10 years. Um, this is where SBS is going to go. And I know your answer is probably going to be, I have no idea. Um, but you know, in an ideal world, where, where would you end up, uh, entrepreneurial wise? Am I allowed to say take over the world? Is that an option? <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? No, when I, when I get asked that question, that's always my, uh, my sort of tongue in cheek response in that, what I mean by that is like, I'm, I've always been ambitious. Um, I've always wanted to, to, to try to be the best I could at, at, at what I do and perfect our craft. And, um, and so I'm just really motivated to try to build, you know, a big, a big business that's successful. That's looked at as an industry leader. That's, you know, perceived to be best in class. And, and, you know, I'm not going to stop until we get to that point. And we're, we're certainly not, not there yet. Um, but where I want to be is, you know, I want to be growing. Obviously the easy answer is, growth both in revenue and, and profitability um right. you know but i also measure success based on how many people we help you know and i think you know i i not to toot our horn but i think some of the the work like i've been blogging for five years and i've been training now for five and and i get approached sometimes by people on on linkedin uh, that say like, Hey, I've been reading your blog for five years and it's really helped me or I'll go to a team and, uh, one of the reps will come up to me and say, Hey, I've been following you and your business for a long time. And it's, it's really helped me through some, some tough challenges or, um, you know, I'll host a podcast or a, a webinar and people will log in. And then afterwards they're like, wow, that was really cool. I learned it a lot. And so I think there's a lot of people that, and you probably experience this too, with what you're doing here, <clears throat> there's a lot of people that I'm helping you know, mm -hmm. um, and I feel like I have this this amazing platform for what we do to, to sort of reach and help more people succeed, you know, and I, I'm motivated. I want to, you know, pay my bills so I have the ability to keep doing that because that's really what I love to do. Um, and so it's it's sort of looking at it from both ways is I want to make sure we continue to grow and grow our business and our team and make, you know, but, but the reason I want to do that is to, to sort of make the money to be able to invest back into the business to give us the greater scale to, to effectively help and, and help more people and impact more careers, which is really what makes me tick. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, and anything you do from an entrepreneurial side, you know, whether it's a side gig, like, like this podcast and, you know, we're just trying to help people by producing great content and, and having guys like you on and, and, you know, being able to share the wealth of knowledge that um, other people have given to us, you know, along the way in our careers. And, and then the second part being, you know, that, that as we go along these journeys, um, things change, right? To your point, uh, they, they change and, and then they can change fast and um, things around us also change fast. And so with that, what are some of the trends you're seeing within the industry, whether that's on the job side, whether that's on, um, you know, the side of, of, of what you're doing and trying to build the, the platform? Because obviously this didn't exist when, 
you know, you were coming up in the business and um, to some extent, I know, you know, teamwork online did the consulting stuff and, and whatnot, but I mean, to full scale, the mentoring, the, the blogs, the podcasts, the webinars, I mean, you know, you guys have created a lot. Um, what are, what are some of those trends you guys are seeing as, as you're, you know, dealing with, with all sorts of different uh, companies and, and organizations? I think the, the first one is, you know, I, this sounds like the story that we tell Jake about like back in our day, we used to hike up uphill in the snow, you know, two right. ways back and forth to work. But, but true, truly when we started in the business or when I did, like there weren't nearly the resources that are around now, you know, LinkedIn really wasn't established. Um, Twitter wasn't around. Facebook was there, but more for, for social reasons. Um, and, you know, my, applications would go through teamwork but i remember like mailing my resume and cover letter in manila envelopes out to teams mm -hmm. you know it was and it wasn't that long ago you know that was in you know 04 so talking about 15 years ago how different it was and you know i think now there's so much accessibility you know um there's so much content and podcasts like you do and blogs and there's just so many resources and people are connecting with uh, with the business community, the professional community, much, much easier than they did in the past. Um, and, you know, there's this appetite for continual learning. It's been driven by this millennial generation of like, they want constant learning. They want um, to be a part of a, of a movement of a bigger picture. They want, they have an appetite to connect with others in the sense of community. Um, and they're really good via social and connecting and communicating via social. And that's what I think we're seeing. And that's very different. Like back in the day, I remember I used to like, call into teams to try to talk to people and now with a couple clicks of a button you can connect, you can connect on linkedin you could research them and their team their background you can make a, mm -hmm. a connection you could figure out you know who's done what and get connected through someone that knows that person it's just there's all these really cool ways to to connect with others and share ideas now that weren't around and so i think the trend we see now is is there's this real thirst and appetite for for constant growth uh development um, upward mobility and connecting with others. And so what I've tried to build in the clubhouse is a, is a destination where the whole industry can kind of come together. They can connect with each other. They can find mentorships. They can share blogs. They can um, watch the, the webinars. They can apply for jobs and just kind of have it all in sort of one centralized sports business community. Cause you know, in the NBA, they have Teambo and mm -hmm. all the leagues have their own sort of league, league uh, consulting group that share ideas but i didn't really see anything out there that connected all of the leagues together you know right. and how i'm like how can we take the best of the nfl and the mlb and the nba and bring it to one place and have it all be accessible on demand whenever people want it and that's kind of the the, the genesis of how the clubhouse got built no that's awesome it's exciting um where can we check out all of uh, all of your information yeah. So um, I guess if you're, this is my, forgive me if I guess if this comes across as a sales pitch, but um, I guess, so our business is, a, is multifaceted on the sports business solutions side. We're a, a professional service provider. So if you're someone listening and you have a need for sales training or consulting um, or recruiting, you know, if you're looking to hire up or staff, like we can do those professional services. So you can just go to sports business uh, dot solutions. You can find us there. Um, and then the clubhouse is sort of a separate arm. It's if, if sports business solutions is sort of our B2B service provider that we offer, the clubhouse is more of like the B2C sort of consumer facing side of the business. And it's really built 
um, you know, to be a community where people can log in individually um, and get the things that they need to, to grow a career. And so you can type in the clubhouse, you can get to it off of the sports business solutions site. Uh, the site itself is just, you know, clubhouse.sportsbusiness.solutions. Um, and within the clubhouse, there's a lot of really cool things. Like we have more than 70 mentors. So people that work in the industry that you can connect with. Um, we've written, uh, I mean, through our, our industry contacts, our blog has over 70 articles we produced in the last 10 months. Uh, so there's a lot of blogs there. We've produced um, 15 uh, webinars that are filled with about hour-long pieces around, you know, topics in the business. And we bring on guest speakers there. So there's, you know, webinars. And then you have um, career services. If you want a little bit of, of guidance in your career, um, you have that as an option there, too. So it's all kind of in one spot in the clubhouse. And then, of course, we have our job board and you can apply for jobs there. So um, you can always connect with me. Um, you can email me, connect on LinkedIn. I'm just Bob at sportsbusiness.solutions or go to sportsbusiness.solutions or just, you know, Google search the clubhouse and you'll be able to find us there. But, you know, whether it's connecting with me or, or you know, one of my, my team members or, you know, following along, we just – we want to meet as many people as we can. We want to help as many people as we can. And we want to take the things that we've all learned and, and bring them to the masses. And so we'd appreciate everyone following along. No, that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing. And, and I, as we wrap up the episode, I got one last question for you. Um, as you are a former wildcat, uh, but now live in Phoenix, what's it like to be a wildcat in the, uh, in the sun devil country? It's hard, Jake. It is. It's, um, you know, but, but what I find is, you know, I liked it. And especially on the sales side, when I worked at the Suns, it, it goes one of two ways. You know, it's like I, I ask if they're a, everybody's either ASU or, or U of A out here. There's a lot of U of A Wildcats in Phoenix, too. And so I connect with a lot of those. Um, and then it was always fun if I got an A, if I connect with someone on the ASU side. So I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if we could be friends anymore. And we have this really great discussion around the Pac-12 but you know I support both teams obviously I'm, I'm U of A loyal but my wife went to ASU so we're a, a house, divided. house divided look at that so it makes uh you know our bet always for the the football game is whatever team loses the other person has to wear that uh the opposing jersey or shirt to watch the game the next year so ASU's won the last couple of years so I'll be wearing ASU shirt <laughs> as I watch the game this year which is I'm not looking forward to but um, it's hard, but we have fun with it. Awesome. Awesome. So bottom line, uh, if, if you're listening, uh, there's a good icebreaker in, if you're on a sales call, uh, break out the college team, see where the other person went. You might find some luck. You never know, right? Yeah, you never know. And I think, you know, it gets back to, you know, on the sales side, just being yourself and having fun and, and it's about connecting with others and building relationships, whether you are selling or you're selling yourself and trying to get a job or apply for a job. And I think, you know, if you're applying, you know, piece of advice for the job seekers out there is, you know, you can probably go on LinkedIn and you can search the hiring managers and they'll list like where they went to school and their interests and find something about their profile that you can connect with. And when you reach out, you know, make it about that. So, you know, if you're part of the same uh, you know, fraternity, sorority, if you're, if you went to the same school, if you're, you know, part of the same conference, if you're from the same city, you know, it's about, you know, making connections, real human connections with people 
not just looking at it like, hey, I just want to apply for a job on your team. It's like, how can I build a relationship with this person and provide something of value? And I think that will really help too. Absolutely. Bob, really appreciate it. Uh, awesome, awesome time talking to you. I uh, really enjoyed it. I know our listeners will, will as well. Um, we'll I definitely want to have you on again next time. And uh, we'll, we'll continue to look forward to, to seeing you grow uh, Sports Business Solutions in the clubhouse. And uh, we'll certainly talk to you soon. Awesome, Jake. Thanks so much for having me on. Again, if anyone wants to reach me, connect on LinkedIn. I'm just at Bob Hamer or my email is bob at sportsbusiness.solutions. And don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to love to meet you. And Jake, thanks again for, for the opportunity. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I want to take the time to thank you for listening to Life in the Front Office. And if you liked our episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We greatly appreciate it. And for more episodes, Visit us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website at lifeinthefrontoffice.com. And please continue to share uh, with your colleagues on social media and help us continue to grow. Thanks.